of America, Washington, D.C., signing on. Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org, brush reader training and consulting, and hosted by me, NC Scout, the best-selling author of The Gorilla's Guide to the Mouthing Radio. It's really good to be with you today. I am joined by fellow author of The Green Beret Survival Guide, available on Amazon and many other retailers out there, career soldier Special Forces Instructor in the SEER course, Mr. Brian Morris. How you doing, brother? Fine. Good to be here. Yeah, man. So, Green Beret Survival Guide. Yeah, I was, you reached out to me and I was kind of, uh, I'm always surprised at some of the people that, that come out of the woodwork and really surprised that, you know, even some of the people that live uh, in my neck of the woods, you know, our neck of the woods here in North Carolina, we have all kinds of people that just pop up, man. And you reached out to me, you know, and was like, man, I know this book. I, I, I know who this guy is. And that was such a cool thing. Tell us about your book, your, your impetus for writing a little bit about your background and what brought you to writing the Green Beret Survival Guide. Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, well, you know, the book is basically just a culmination of things that picked up over the years. I've always had an affinity for um, books that taught you something. You know, I've never been a big fiction reader. I like to read books that I feel like I get something out of and... I knew when I decided I was going to write a book that, you know, or that I was going to write in general, because actually before I ever wrote any kind of a book, I was working for uh, American Survival Guide magazine and writing for them. And uh, that was kind of where I realized that it, it was something I enjoyed doing. And uh, but like I said, you know, my, my biggest thing was just wanting to write something that people could use and maybe get something useful out of. And, and that's how it started. Um, I had a, a few books before these, uh, the Greenberry Survival Guide. And then, you know, on the 21st, the Greenberry Bushcrafting Guide, which is kind of part two of the Greenberry Survival Guide. And, and uh, it covers a lot of stuff about prepping and um, EDCs, you know, pace plans. And, and then it goes into basically uh, an eight pillars of survival 
uh, format where I use food, water, shelter, security, communications, health, fire building, and land navigation as the premise for, you know, the chapters of the book. And, and it, as you go through them, it just gives you pretty much everything you need to know about those things in a, in a survival situation. But the, the, the real um, thought behind it is, and, and what separates it from other books, I would say, on the topic, is that it comes from the perspective of somebody that's already prepared. Because, you know, in the Special Forces, we pride ourselves on being prepared and doing things to mitigate risk before, you know, so you could take something that's a catastrophic risk and bring it down to something a little bit more manageable, like, uh, you know, something that you can actually do. And by being prepared and by practicing, practicing, practicing. And I like to put those kind of philosophies into my writing. And I definitely did that in the Green Beret Bushcrafting Guide as well as the Green Beret Survival Guide. And like you said, you can pick both of these up on uh, on Amazon. You can get them in Books A Million. Um, they're also in Barnes & Noble. It's uh, Simon & Schuster or one of their companies. Uh, publishes it so yeah check it out definitely man definitely and and just looking over those two titles you know obviously that's a that's that's a hot topic right now um and and has been for many years i think that it's going to be an even bigger topic going forward because we've got a lot of challenges that we face you know as a nation as the american people as a society um, really looks like at least certain aspects of it are, are beginning to come unglued. And, um, you know, th there's, of course, the, the big news right now, just going into this, there is the uh, expected arrest of Donald Trump um, in New York. There's some very interesting uh, developments with that case. There's a lot of rumblings online from different circles uh, about protests, about counter protests. And, um, you know, it, it, I think that that would be a good fit for probably another episode, but I think it goes without saying that, that, you know, your message as well as mine is, is that people really need to have a cooler head about all this and, and stay out of a lot of that stuff and avoid, you know, some of the obvious pitfalls. But with that said, um, the topic of everyday carry, you know, the, the very basis of survival that I know that you teach and have taught professionally and something that I teach as well that, you know, I've learned in professional circles is that basic awareness. And that that begins with just watching your surroundings and kind of staying out of troubled areas before you get into them. So in, in your view, in your perspective, Right now, what is the best thing that people need to be carrying on them for an EDC? Kind of break that down for us. Um, you know, their their own everyday carry. And how does this differ from what people would traditionally consider an, an everyday carry as we're going into uncertain times? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first off, it, the cool thing about being prepared and living a prepared lifestyle is that, I mean, other than just for good situational awareness and understanding that, you know, there may be something happening in such and such area 
on any any given day if you're prepared if you live that kind of a lifestyle then you're going to have you know as far as edc goes you're going to have those things with you anyway you know and 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 that's kind of the people that my writing appeals to usually are people that are already in living that kind of a lifestyle you know so you know one thing i never do is underestimate the people that that read the kind of stuff that i write because you'd be surprised how many people have adopted that lifestyle over the last couple of decades as this country has, you know, gone through some major life changes. And, uh, you know, these are dangerous times that we live in. There's no doubt about it. I think it's unprecedented, you know, and, and as far as what's going on with Trump, you know, I have, I have no doubt that, that things are going to deteriorate in, in, in some places, you know, who knows, there's no telling how it's going to, how it's going to turn out one way or another, but you can do things to mitigate risk right now, you know? And, and the first thing I would say is, you know, don't, don't be a, a chaos tourist, you know, <laughs> don't, if you see something going on, you don't need to go towards it. And, and just because you're out of curiosity, if you see, you know, burning tires or something like that, it's a pretty good sign that, that, somebody's trying to seal out the city just look what's going over going on over in france right now it's, it's out of control i mean the whole the whole city's on fire and, and, and that is a perfect and, uh, example man i'm not sure what yeah good sorry we had a little bit of a delay no no they they what, what's happening in france specifically in paris is a perfect example and the, the interesting thing is is that it's I don't know how much a lot of people are really following uh, what's going on in France, like it, how it began with the yellow vest protests and how that this is linked to a lot of the things that are happening in Denmark and in the Netherlands, how you, you have these populist parties that are springing up that aren't really left wing or right wing. They're, they're just saying, Hey, look, you know, you, 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 you guys are going full bore with this great reset nonsense. And you're trying to eliminate farming. You're trying to flood our nations with immigrants that don't have any desire to acclimate. You know, you're erasing our national identity. And we're, we're tired of this. You know, you're, you're taxing us into oblivion. These these things are beginning to happen. Like if, if you remove Trump from the equation, you know, not not to make this too much about him because I, I really don't want to. But um, if you remove Trump from the equation, these mass protests are bound to happen here anyway, because when you look at, at the, uh, the impending troubles that we're going to have economically, now we have the next phase of that that's about to hit us with questions about the safety and security of the banking industry. Not only did we have a, a on-the-street level uh, inflation of around 30%, now all of a sudden we're saying that that, hey, you know, Janet Yellen is, is saying, basically, your banks may not be secure. You know, the too big to fail banks are going to be OK. We'll bail them out. But your local bank, hmm, you know, and, and so now it's creating this perfect storm of people who are seeing their life savings go by the wayside. It's a very, very scary time. And we that that is a perfect example. There's there and and. There is so much going on 
in France, both the left wing and the right wing are, are you know, creating or, or are reacting to this chaos that's being created. It's very much a three-way dance. And I think that this is coming to our shores here in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've always said what happens in Europe and Canada, you know, Canada is just pretty much Europe, is is what is coming here. I mean, it's like looking in a crystal ball, to be honest with you. Um, you know, one of the things that, that I, I teach is situational awareness, you know, and if there's ever been a time to be situationally aware, now's the time. You know, I mean, all the tea leaves have spoken and we are not headed in a good direction here at all. So if you turn on the television and you see what's happening over there, that's a pretty good indicator of what you're going to see here. And it's, you know, they don't have the Second Amendment like we do. And it, it, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge Second Amendment, uh, you know, uh, supporter. Huge. But assholes have guns, too, you know, and and uh, it. it could get ugly you know it's a good time to start assessing what you have and uh not so much in a monetary form but in supplies you know because things that that we consider to be in in abundance in this country are not going to be in abundance forever you know and, and if you really need to be able to get through a good six months to a year on your own. And if you don't have that kind of food stored up or a place to go, now's the time to start thinking about where am I going to go? You know, because it's not really necessarily feasible to stay in a city when cities are historically the places that they go up in flames, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens. So, if you don't have friends and, 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 or you don't have the ability financially to buy property, you may want to look at renting something. You may want to look at family members that you have that live, you know, in very rural areas away from these major city centers. Uh, you can look at bartering, you know, if you have a skill, a lot of people have skills. They work in the city. They have, you know, really really good skills maybe they're welders maybe they're plumbers maybe they're electricians those are all things that people need no matter where they live you know so don't always don't sell yourself short and think just because i don't have thousands of dollars in my bank account i'm not worth anything everybody's got worth even if it's just a strong back you know if i'll tell you right now i, I live on a big piece of land i'm not going to be able to do this by myself i'm in my 50s uh, you know i've been through cancer i'm not i'm not half the guy physically that I was, you know, in during my military career. But if if things go downhill, if the the crap is a fan, I mean, I'm gonna need help. And if somebody came here and they, and they were honest, they seemed honest, you know, and, and I and and uh, they offered to to give me their back and help me get some of the work done around here. You know, I've got I've got a place. I'll put them up. You know, who knows what's going to happen, but I'm just saying, don't, don't think that just cause you don't have money that you're not worth anything, but this is the time to start thinking about where you're going to go. And if you do have the means, this is the time to start making sure doing your inventories, making sure that you're stocked up on your non-perishables, making sure that you have a good water plan. 
a lot of people think, oh, I've got a, I've got a generator. Well, if you're on a well and you've got a generator, that's great. But gasoline, how much gasoline do you have? You know, can you run that generator all the time? And once the generator goes down, how are you getting water into your house? Do you have a plan? Do you have a backup? Do you have some kind of a pump, a hand pump, a solar pump, whatever? You know, it, these are the, these are problem sets that need to be worked out and probably should have been worked out by now. But if you're getting late, to the, you're, you're late coming to the table, that's okay. It's never too late to do something, you know, and you can always increase your odds of survival always by doing something. And even if it's just one thing, you know, you're better off than you were yesterday. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's well said. A, a lot of people, well, something that you pointed out about how there, there's a lot of people that are kind of coming to the game right now, getting into it a little late. Like they, they're looking around, they're seeing, hey, man, you know, this is this is starting to get kind of dark. You know, the 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 uh, the good times are are coming to a close. And, um, you know, there's a lot of warnings out there. There's a lot of indicators that, that things are, are beginning to fall apart at the seams. And we're kind of getting into that, that era of a higher threat posture. You know, like if you go into any urban area, there's the, you know, in in many ways, it's kind of always been like this in, in certain circumstances, but it's more widespread now where, you know, you, you have law enforcement, which has kind of been, I, and I hate to say this, but at the top, you have you have the effects of elite capture at the top in many law enforcement agencies that has now nullified the effectiveness of law enforcement on the ground at the street level. And so they're not able to intervene in crimes and criminality the way they would have in eras past where you had more effective policing models that were being utilized. And of course, there's many reasons for that. Uh, there, there's obviously political motivations behind that. And, you know, it's it's beginning to rear its ugly head in, in a lot of places. As we have a higher threat posture, and, you know, it's, it's not realistic for a lot of people to just completely avoid cities altogether, unfortunately. Um, you know, you and I are in a position, fortunately, where, where we can, for the most part, do that. But not everybody can. And um, break down for us your EDC, your everyday carry. Let's say going into, you know, our higher threat posture, like, you know, right now we have an aggregate crime level that, that is a certain type. There are certain types of threats in our environment. But as this thing progresses and gets worse, break down for us what Brian carries and what he advocates. <laughs> you, I, I'll be glad to. So, okay, let's start with, let's just start with my philosophy and then I'll talk about what I carry. So my philosophy is, that I need to be able to get back to my house, to my wife, you know, to my animals. So I think of everything based off of getting back home, right? So I even call my bag, it's my get back home bag. And that's what I carry with me in my vehicle amongst many other things, right? So, you know, inside of my bag, or let's just start with my body, right? So I've always got, you know, my concealed carry, uh, weapon on me obviously you know uh, my keys less than some less than lethal device i usually carry i always have a flashlight in my pocket uh high lumen flashlight that i've got 
and I'm a flashlight junkie, so I'm constantly buying new flashlights. Uh, some mace, a taser. Uh, I've always got my personal survival kit on me. Uh, multi-tool, my watch, my cell phone, always charged. I always carry an extra battery with me, no matter where I go. Uh, I like to uh, look at the eight pillar concept I was talking about earlier with food, water, shelter, security, communications, health, uh, firecraft, and land navigation. So those are the eight different areas that I pack my bag. And that's my, if I have to leave my vehicle, you know, let's just say there's like an, an EMP or something and, and my vehicle's fried, right? And I've got to go on and hoof it on foot. Well, I'm not even going to do that because in the back of my truck, which is an old, looks like a beater truck. It's actually a really good truck. But on the outside, you wouldn't go near it. You probably wouldn't think twice about seeing my 2019, you know, Dodge Ram that's all beat up on the outside. It looks like it's been through hell because I built an access road on my property with it. And I picked it up halfway looking the way it does. But the bottom line is it's got a brand new engine. It works great. The inside's fine. But on the outside, you're not going to think, oh, I want that to be my bug out vehicle. And that's a mistake that people make, I think. You know, when you have something really nice that just makes somebody want to take it from you in a world where, you know, there's fewer or no laws. That's how people get. It's just human nature. You know, assholes become bigger assholes and bolder. And you need to be able to prepare for that. So how are you going to do that? You know, well, these are not normal times so you know i personally and you need to look at the laws in the state that you live in you know you don't want to do something that's gonna land you in trouble with the law at some point you know but if you can carry a shotgun in your vehicle i think that's a great get back home weapon it's versatile you can carry a lot of rounds different rounds that do different things so it's like having multiple weapons in one. Uh, you definitely want to have all the things to fix your vehicle. If you get a flat tire or something like that, you know, uh, you want to think about all those contingencies. Um, definitely, if you can think about the distances that you're traveling away from your home, and that'll help you to know what you need to have with you in your vehicle because if you're traveling 60 miles to work and you know if you drive a car that doesn't seem like a big deal it's an hour or less to get from your house to work right what if you had to walk back from your house or from from work to your house what if you worked in a city and you lived out an hour outside the city now you've got to walk you know through who knows what to get back home so you definitely want to think about that time frame and break it up realistically you know know yourself don't think oh i can i can easily walk 12 miles a day well can you you know that's 12 mile road march that was a big deal in the army you know that's not it's not a short distance and when you're doing it under duress people are possibly shooting at you or there's you know riots and chaos and and civil unrest going on you know that's that that time frame might increase exponentially you know you could end up looking at having to take to get 60 miles 
back to your house could take over a week of walking, you know, or acquiring vehicles if you don't have a vehicle or, or some sort of transportation, some mode of transportation. So you need to start considering those things right now, you know, and, and if you can avoid it, if you can work from home, do it, especially next week. I don't, I don't see things going in a positive direction. You know, that's my 50 meter target right now. Man, next week, next week is, is definitely going to be interesting. Um, you know, and, and you have a, you have a unique perspective. Uh, something that I've brought up periodically in class where, you know, because everybody kind of asks about this, right? A, A lot of people of the preparedness mindset, um, you know, right wing folks that that are getting increasingly frustrated with the status quo of things politically. Um, you know, hey, and and look, I get it. We're, we're all frustrated, okay? But th- there's some universal truths that need to be pointed out that you can't just, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like running around on an LZ and and not knowing how to secure it properly, right? You, you just you, it it doesn't work. Those things don't work. You know, you have to, you, you cannot run into any situation without a plan. And so I always bring up the uh, resistance pyramid. So the, the heiress unconventional warfare pyramid, and I always bring that up and, and the steps that are on there, kind of how underground resistance movements form and the steps that they have to take working their way up to that overt warfare. And I always name those off to people that I have in class whenever they ask about it. And I'm like, you tell me where we are on this pyramid and kind of name off, you know, like, like the, um, how undergrounds began forming, how there's sabotage. Like we can see that, all right, this isn't tinfoil hat stuff. We can see this day to day to day. We see, you know, Oh, another train derailed. Oh, another chemical spill happened. Oh, another, uh, oil refineries. All right. Right. Power outages, dude. The the Moore County, Moore County, and notice that's been memory hold. That's been memory hold. But I'm telling you, the person who went on Twitter, right, who was a quote unquote trans activist, right, this person had original pictures of the vantage point of where that that transformer was broke into, and where it got shot in Moore County. How did, and and they claimed that they weren't there. How did they know? How did they have access to that? How did they get those photographs? They got it because they were part of it. That was the propaganda. And see your lab, because you know, you know, this, this is all, I mean, man, this is, this is unconventional warfare 101. We're seeing right out of the handbook, man. It's, it's right. Yep. It's out of the small wars handbook. You know, you can find it in the gorilla. Guerrilla Warfare Handbook, the Special Forces Guerrilla Warfare Handbook. I mean, there's, yep. I know you, you've written about it. A lot of people have written about it. It's not, it's not yeah. a secret, you know. And you brought something up that was a really good point, and that is that, you know, it's bigger than people think, you know, because it takes. Think about it like this: like for every American soldier that actually engages and closes with the enemy, there's about 11 people supporting that soldier. 11 people in different supporting roles. Well, these guerrilla groups, they don't work any different. You know, there's there's a lot of people supporting them that maybe, you know, don't aren't aren't out there actually with their, you know, uh, as their frontline soldiers. But that doesn't mean that they're not being supported. So these these 
I, I think people are going to be surprised how big of an insurgency issue is going on right now in America, regardless of what side of that you're on, because everything's compartmentalized. So even if you were part of it, you probably don't realize how big of a part of it or a, a big of an organization you're part of. You know, I think a lot of these people, when they get in trouble is when they realize that they were on the tip of an iceberg. Yep. Yeah. I think that that's what they're learning in Atlanta right now. Um, and, and I think that the, the law enforcement structure and, and the power structure in Atlanta and, and really um, the mayor of Atlanta is using some interesting language about that whole incident um, that, that kind of I pointed out early on when their first little flare up happened, when he actually called them terrorists. And this guy's a Democrat. He's he's kind of been a, a quote unquote community organizer. Um for, for most of his career. And, you know, it's, they, they, the Democrats use their language that they have going into all this stuff. But the fact that I think even he's recognizing that they got to get a handle on this stuff because it is very much a three-way dance. And if you look at who got rolled up in all that in Atlanta, they were all outside agitators with, with a couple of exceptions, they were all outside agitators that had come in there and they're getting more and more brazen in what they're doing. So next week is going to be a very, I think, I hope that it's not, and I hope that I'm wrong about this, but next week is going to be a very uh, telling week when it comes to, you know, this stuff. It well, it'll be, a for the, it'll be a litmus test for yes. the temperature of the country for sure. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because you're going to have Antifa that's looking to take, take advantage of the chaos. And you're definitely going to have, um, you know, you, you're, you're going to have people on the right who are understandably angry, who are wanting to get out there. They want to, you know, they're going to want to demonstrate. And um, it, it's it's certainly not going anywhere good. So with all of that said, where do you see the direction of this going as someone who is specifically trained in insurgencies, counterinsurgencies, training a guerrilla force, you know, the traditional mission of SF? Where's all of this stuff headed? I don't know if you're going to like my answer. You know, I don't even know that I like my answer. In fact, I know I don't like my answer, but it's still my answer. And, you know, it's a wave, man. It started in Europe. It's coming. This whole wokeness thing, it's not going away. You know, it's the it's it's where we're headed. Unfortunately, I think in, in a lot of cases, I'm not saying that it's 100% bad. You know, there's not we we have a, a, a habit on the on the right of demonizing everything on the left. And I mean, there's some things that I, I wouldn't say are, are, are horrible things like everybody, you know, feeling like they're included. I don't have a, I don't have a big issue with that, you know, but when it starts to be an issue is when you have what I would consider reverse racism, you know, reverse, uh, you know, discrimination for sure, you know, and that's where things are headed to where it's almost to be a white male in America is going to be like a bad thing somehow. You know, I don't know how that happened, but that seems like to be the direction. And I'm not even, you know, saying that, it's kind of like a pendulum, you know, and the pendulum is swinging and you would think like, okay, 
it's going to swing back eventually and things are going to be fine in a year from now. But I don't know. You know, I can, this is the first time in my lifetime that I haven't felt that way. I've always felt that things are running waves and, you know, we, we have bad times and good times and, and, and the good times will always return. But this last year or so, well, I should say really the last couple of years have really made me rethink that and, and, and wonder about the health of the Republic, you know, and, and are we going to survive this? I don't know. I really don't. This is the first time in my lifetime. I'm, I'm 54 years old and this is the first time I've ever felt that way. You know, and I, and I consider myself a pretty, you know, even minded, even keeled person. I don't tend to jump to, um, you know, conspiracy theories or, uh, anything like that. I'm not, I'm not usually prone to those things, but I am telling you, I've never seen anything like this. And if, like I said, you know, the tea leaves are, are speaking, it's time to start thinking about what you're going to do. You know, if, if things change and it used to be my thought that America, we would just wake up one day and it just wouldn't be the same country that it was, you know, but I, I'm starting to think that maybe that day has come. We're still America, but we're not the country we used to be, you know, and, that, and that's, that's pretty close to the fall of Rome right there. If we're at that point, you know, so I don't definitely want to be an alarmist. I do not want to be an alarmist and get gold, you know, to, I'm not, I'm not using hyperbole or I'm not exaggerating in any way. That's what I'm trying to say. This is just my, my thought right now that we're in dangerous times. These are unprecedented times and it could really go either way. It's literally like 50, 50 right now in my mind. And to me, those kind of odds, I mean, you, you need to start really thinking about what kind of assets you have physical assets that tangible things that you can use to ride this out until it goes wherever it goes. And I really couldn't tell you where that's going to be, you know? Right. I think, uh, you know, something food for thought for the listeners out there and, and long time listeners, long time readers of mine, this, what I'm about to say it isn't going to come as any kind of surprise. Uh, but, but contemplate if you will, Right. We understand foreign internal defense, right? FID, which is a, a huge mission of special forces and a lot of uh, uh, special operations groups to, to now, it, it used to be a traditional SF mission to go in and, and um, basically secure an area, right? Go in, secure an area, train up the, the local nationals, um, lead, advise them on and take them on operations that were kind of uh, uh, in favor of national stability, right? Against, uh, you know, the, the insurgencies that were popping up, right? It was a lot of FID missions that are still being run now in, in Africa, um, South America, Central America, right? Um, what FID if, and combat. Yeah. You know, it, what, what if, for example that things get to a point here in the United States with the unrest, considering that we are the most heavily armed nation in the world. We are also, we have the most number of nuclear weapons 
in the world. And it becomes a very real uh, question as to whether those are secured or not. Now, a lot of the normies out there will hear that and they'll say, ah, you know, oh, that'll never happen. And I've, I've, I mean, I've got emails from people that, that I know that kind of surprised me. And they're like, that would, that would never happen. This is not possible. And it's like, well, you know, now are you, are you saying that now? Because look at where we are now. Right. And is it outside the realm of possibility that for an example, if chaos got to the point where here in the United States, we had that level of instability, which I think now is certainly a realistic statement to make. Would we see foreign troops that would be invited in? Now, this previously, you know, many years ago, people would say that would be tinfoil hat. That would be conspiracy theory, whatever. Now, well, is it? Because if, and I'm not talking about like wild-eyed, oh, the UN is going to invade. No, not any of that. But the United States government can't secure its own assets. There's a very real question now about whether or not its own weapons arsenal can be secured. They can't, you know, sweat MC, sewer, water, electricity, access. Yeah, I I can um, answer that. I can answer that, I think. Yeah, go ahead, brother. Yeah, I, I think I think that um, it it's kind of like a stop sign that needs to be a traffic light or just a road that needs to have a traffic light. Basically, what has to happen before a traffic light goes in? Somebody's got to die, right? Because it, it, it's just the way it is. They never put a traffic light where everybody knows it needs to be until at least one person dies. And then it goes in. Well, unfortunately, I think that's what you're looking at here in america it's gonna something catastrophic would have to happen before you see foreign troops of any denomination or number sort on our soil and you can use russia as you know a good example i mean when the when when the ussr broke up you know people had the same kind of fears but it's just unlikely that that would happen now i could see like some regulatory um, people from either the UN or some international group of people that are worried about our nuclear assets here in the country. Uh, And that would only be again, if there was something like a meltdown or, um, or, or, or or God forbid, you know, an explosion that, that killed, you know, many, 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 many people. And we were just in a, much different place than we are right now as a country maybe in that case you know after like tactical thermonuclear war but as a precursor to that just based off of fear of our you know our military assets falling into the wrong hands no i don't think they would it would happen i don't think the american people would let it happen and unlike a traffic light I don't think it should happen. I don't, I I don't think that, you know, foreign troops have any business being on our soil regardless. Right. So follow on question to that is it's it's a damn good answer. And I think it's one that a lot of people need to hear follow on question to that, knowing what you know, and 
your expertise, your experience, career special forces soldier, what's the likelihood that domestic insurgent groups are getting training from outside hostile nations? Highly. Highly likely. And I'll tell you why. They wouldn't even know it. How would they know it? You know, our country, God love it, it's a free country. And because of our freedom, sometimes it comes to bite us in the ass. You know, that's not, it's, and, and I, I love liberty. I would way rather be in a dangerous country that's free than a so, so-called safe country that's, you know, highly regulated. And, and I don't have any of the rights that I have now. So let me put that out there as a precursor. But can have teaching, assisting, aiding. We don't know who's out there, who's doing what, or what countries they're from. So what we do know is that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of spies from China, from Russia, from other countries, even from our allies that are that are all over the country doing all kinds of things. You know, and, and there's probably just as many sleepers that are probably getting woken up right now you know and and you just don't know who's living next to you unless you know you know so be careful who you're associating with and uh who you're getting information from because it yeah you have to look at what what somebody's motivation is for doing what they do that's in your life you know if you're if you're bringing people into your life there's 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 all kinds of people out there that are trying to collect information right now from this country and you just never know who you're talking to so if you don't know keep your mouth shut loose lips sink ships yep now 100 percent and and i agree a thousandfold i think that it's it's not just likely but it's it's probably happening in in some capacity um you know we, we know that the chinese are very active Right at the southern border, they're uh, at least what I've seen. They're fairly active uh, on the west coast on our northern border in Canada as well. Um, it, and when when you take into account the level of activity, the Confucius societies, uh, one of which we have that's, that's very active here in North Carolina in Raleigh. Um, that's you know, and, and that's pretty well known how much money they've put into political action committees. Yeah, um, the, you know, yeah. One of the things that that I think was a mistake, you know, it used to be, it used to be that when somebody immigrated to America, and and believe me, it's not totally unlike this in every situation. I have a good friend of mine; he was my interpreter for a couple of deployments in Afghanistan. And when that bullshit happened with Afghanistan recently, he and his family came over here. Now, I, I, we got him set up with a really good job, and he's, he's doing well. But, but the bottom line is he never wanted to, you know, he didn't want to leave. So it, it, it was forced on him. He was thrown into this situation. But he's very proud to be here. 
and to be an American and to be given the opportunity to become a citizen of this country, you know, and that used to be the way it was. But the liberals have made any kind of national pride a bad thing. You know, somehow if you stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance, you're part of the Hitler youth. I mean, I don't know where this how this happened or how we that came to be that mindset on the left, but it's definitely there. And I feel like, you know, that has a lot of communist undertones to it that could have easily through our academics, our academia is just filled with people that, in my opinion, aren't even American, probably aren't, you know, it's not where their number one allegiance is to anyway. And, but for at some point on the left, particularly on the left and i'm not saying that the right is immune to it because there are also splinter groups i believe on the right that are more and more disassociating themselves with america as far as how they see themselves you know um and definitely with this particular administration but i think it goes deeper than that i i think it goes deeper than just you know i don't like bob I think right. that they're actually starting to see themselves as a different entity um, in, in, in some of these right wing groups, too. So when you start seeing things like that happening, you know, those are just their indicators. There's no one thing that's like going to give you all the answers. But when you see a lot of different indicators, it, it's scary times. And that's where we're at right now. I'm just seeing a lot of different indicators. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not alone in that regard. Um, it, it's. And, and that's kind of been one of the core things that I've been pointing out, especially over the past 12 months, is that you have you have two ends of the spectrum that are almost they're on a collision course with one another. But at the same time, they have a similar goal and their similar goal is to create chaos. Um, and and that that's what I think that uh, the, the power structure in Georgia uh, the the mayor of Atlanta, the, both Democrats and Republicans there are beginning to realize that there is this is becoming a, very much a three way dance um, inside of of leftist circles of the militant leftist circles. They are not happy with the Democrat Party either. Um, you know, a, a lot of times for us on the right, kind of the you know the mainstream right, the libertarian right, we kind of think of things as like the, the left is being one homogenized structure of, of like the, you know, they, they're all part and parcel of one another. That's not true. Um, the militant left is very, very much ready uh, for, at least in their, their minds, ready to commit to a communist revolution. The Democrat party is not part of that. Okay, they they've been looking at things in terms of uh, the you know the Antifa has kind of been a marriage of convenience for them because that's kind of giving them a smokescreen and a justification to erode um, you know the, the safeguards that we have against personal liberty here in America. But they they what they're failing to realize is, and what I think that they're they're waking up to, and it, it, it's perhaps too late, is the fact that. These people are committed communist revolutionaries, right? On the right, you have kind of this, this same conversation that's being had from the fascist angle, and that which is very dangerous, equally as dangerous, because when when it doesn't matter where you fall on, on that, you know, on on those particular political ends, what ends up dying is is individual liberty. 
is sovereignty, is people's freedoms. That's what ends up dying in the middle. And once that's gone, we're not going to get that back. And what's even worse, I think, than that is that once that's gone, if you look at every time in history where totalitarianism has been allowed to thrive and it has been given a voice, unspeakable atrocities have always occurred in every case. Yeah, they've always universal. You're right. And you know, it, it's 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 one of those things that it's kind of chic with with a lot of a lot of young kids to be talking about uh, these kinds of things back and forth. If you've never seen it, if you have never experienced anything like that, I can promise you, you have no idea what you're asking for. And and it, it's unfortunately, I think that that because we're on that bad path, that. You know, in some cases, and I'm not saying all across the United States, but certainly in some places, you know, just as you pointed out, the tea leaves have spoken and, you know, we're, we're definitely headed for some spicy times. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, one thing's for sure, it's a slippery slope. And if you look at a, the spectrum of people that are out there from the left to the right, it's more like a circle than a spectrum. And you know, up at the top of the circle or where the moderates are and where the circle lines touch, that's where the extremists are on the left and the right. And, you know, they touch. So there's really not a whole big difference between them at the end of the day for moderate, moderate people, people that are, you know, able to listen to somebody else's argument and, and and retort with their own without having to go to bullets. And that's where we used to be. But I think that's what has slippery sloped its way down. And it's not coming back. There's no ski lift to bring it back. And that's just moderation. You know, people that are just capable of getting along with each other, even though they don't necessarily agree politically. I think that's gone. I, I really do. And, and I don't know if it can come back, but you know, maybe with another generation, but. Did we lose you? There you are. Are you back? You there? Yeah. Yeah. You you were saying maybe, maybe in another generation, but we're going to have to regain that appreciation. Yeah, I mean, just the ability to sit down with somebody and break bread and talk to them, even though, you know, you may not politically or religiously be in agreement with each other. It, it just seems like a, a skill set that is not existent anymore, especially um, within our political ranks. You know, it's not existent. And as long as we are like that, you know, we're, we're headed for, for really bad things. As soon as we stop, and I don't know when it happened exactly that we stopped listening to each other and, you know, accepting our differences. That used to be what made this a great country. But once that's gone and just one group, whoever has the biggest mouth gets gets the gets the platform. You know, it seems like that's where we're headed right now. And, uh, you know, I don't like it at all, personally. Yeah, exactly. No, me either. You know, it, it's I, I want 
I want kids to grow up with the childhood that I had, you know, where it, it mo- things were mostly good. I mean, the late eighties, nineties, you know, like th- there was political unrest for sure. There, there were things that, that were uh, bad, but we, you know, growing up stuff was also really good. Like, like there were certain things that were out of the question, you know, and now we're, we're waking up with that very real possibility of, uh, you know, a bleak future on a number of different fronts. I mean, you you can you can talk about you know the the likelihood of war outside our borders. We can talk about the likelihood of war inside our borders. And and I think anybody um, with the foresight to see it is definitely waking up to that reality. And and I think that both of your books um, that that are available now, Green Beret Survival Guide and the Green Beret Bushcraft Guide, are definitely a strong leg up in those baseline skill sets that people are going to need. You also train. So you, you've got a, a training company, you run classes. Where can people find you? Yeah, that's right. Um, okay. So it's going to be, uh, our website's under construction right now. We had some issues with it, but, uh, it's going to be up and running in about a week and it'll be, uh, JM dynamic. So www.jmdynamic.com. And that's that's the uh, the website uh, name. You'll be able to get on there and see all our classes. But I can just tell you, you know, real quick, we do um, – anybody can come to our to our course, but there's not a whole lot of, uh, of lodging. We've got some property here. You're welcome to, to come and pitch a tent if you're coming for a day or something like that, if you're coming from out of town. Uh, but the, the amenities are pretty Spartan. Um, but we do, uh, we do CCW training here. We do pistol. Uh, say again. I, I just said, as they should be, they should be Spartan. So folks can get out there. They, they can, they can get a little bit yeah, of that yeah. suck factor, going, <laughs> man. Makes, makes training yeah, no, fun. Yeah. So, I used to teach bushcrafting here, you know, just, just, um, just basic, you know, outdoor type stuff. And then we've kind of shifted. Uh, I, I started a new company called jam dynamic LLC with a, a, a good friend of mine and, uh, Kyle Jensen. He's, he's also a vet. And, um, we are teaching five different courses here right now. So we're, we're teaching uh, basic and advanced pistol, basic and advanced rifle, and tactical shotgun. And, you know, the basic uh, courses are really good for beginners. If you've, like we were saying, people coming late to the party or just now getting into maybe learning about firearms or maybe you just want to, you know, knock some of the rust off your uh, off your shooting skills and, uh and remember some of those fundamentals, then I would highly suggest coming to our basic courses. But if you've already got those skill sets and they're pretty refined and you just want to learn about home defense and how you can employ uh, those skill sets that you can shoot, move and communicate around your own property and, uh, you know, be able to, to defend your family, your loved ones, your, your assets. And, it, you know, that's the kind of world we're coming into. So, I think it's good training for anybody. Our prices are excellent, I think. 
uh, compared to what's out there on the market. And the instruction is top notch. You know, we've we've uh, we put a lot of work, time, energy, resources, and thought into what we're putting out. It's tried and true, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll get you to where you need to be to be able to defend yourself instead of just being able to say that you've got some firearms in your safe because you know having it and knowing how to actually utilize it and having those skill sets and knowing what you need to be doing to train on a continuous basis these are perishable skills as you know um you know so you kind of have to be your own your own trainer you know and that's kind of what we do here it's like a train the trainer type situation where we're giving you the skill sets to where when you leave here you're taking something with you. It's not just something that's going to, you're going to forget after a couple of days, but we're giving you skills to maintain those skill sets. And you may not have a range that you can shoot on all the time, but we, we show you ways that, you know, there's a lot of great new technology out there right now um, that's helping people, you know, in the privacy of their own home, become a lot more proficient with their firearms. So that's the direction that we're going in. Uh, with our, our new business and yeah, they can, they can find us. The website's going to be up soon, but you can email us anytime. It's J M dynamic N C at gmail.com. And, uh, I'll be glad to send you a course, uh, you know, a, a, a list of our courses and the services that we offer. Uh, and then on the 21st, my new book, the Green Beret Bushcrafting Guide, the Eight Pillars of Survival in Any Situation will be coming out. Uh, I've got it sitting in front of me. I got my box of, you know, my, my publisher sends me a box right before they come out. I just got mine today or last week. Yeah, man. I love it. I love it. And I can't wait for that to, to come out because it's right around the corner, man. And that, that, ah, so getting, getting this interview kicked out, it's like a sneak peek what what everybody's gonna get out there yeah so it, it man i'm i'm looking forward to this brother thank you for being on um well i appreciate it man, man yeah bro yeah yeah definitely you know and, and to have to have other trainers you know in, in, right here in north carolina in central north carolina that have so much experience that have so much professionalism that have so much to bring to the table like i'm telling you Folks, you know, you should be training with as many different people and getting as many like like as as broad a skill set as possible, because there are so many people that never before in American history have we had a time where combat vets, law enforcement, people that have carried firearms professionally, um, you know, men of arms and some ladies are out there that are offering training to the civilian populace. Never it has we never in American history have we had that uh that aggregate skill level that is being offered to the American populace out there because it's one thing just as you pointed out to be armed, it's a whole other to be well trained and to know how to properly employ your weapon systems. Um you know, and, and it, it's the more people you can train with, the more people you can learn from, the better off you're going to be, brother. It has been an honor to have you on. I look forward to doing it again very, very soon, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I had a really good time.
All right, brother. And again, that is Brian Morris with jmdynamic.com. And, um, you know, definitely hit him up. Definitely hit that website when it is up. And when it is up, I'm going to have a link to it over on AmericanPartisan.org to make sure that everybody is hitting that one up and getting that training and getting, uh, you know, is, is packing in as much as you can on the training schedule because you're going to need it. That is the path forward. All right. That is the path forward is training. With that said, folks, God bless all of you out there. Please going into this next week, no matter what you see, no matter what you might hear, keep your head on a swivel, keep your head cool and level. Don't go and do anything stupid. All right. The folks from J six, Hey, guess what? They're still sitting in jail. All right. It's unfortunate, but it's a reality, right? That's the long and short of it. If you think that you're going to a blue area and that you're going to, you're going to go out there and protest and anybody's going to be on your side, you know, I, I really don't know what else to tell you. The path forward is local localization. Get as many like-minded people networked as possible in your local area and start working in earnest on that resilient community. Because the more you do that, the better off you're going to be. And with that said, folks, God bless. And I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Zensi Scout, out.